cloud. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, Jay. All right, so the uh, Timberwolves going to the All-Star break with a 128-91 win at Portland last night. They're 39-16. and They dominated, especially in the first quarter. Your thoughts on last night's win? Yeah, one of the best first quarters in Timberwolves history, one of the best first quarters played by any team this uh, this season in the NBA. And then the Blazers did come back and make it a game, and then the Wolves just put them away. Um, so great performance by pretty much everybody in the starting five. Ball movement, defensive intensity, defensive connectedness, uh, shooting, uh, you know, getting into the lane. Uh, McDaniels, who played really poorly on Tuesday, was really good. Gobert was really good again. Edwards is fantastic. Towns is fantastic. Uh, I mean, they just, you know, it was a good sign that they're taking all this very seriously because this would have been the ultimate trap game. You, you're on a winning streak. You're on a long, long West Coast road trip. You're playing a team you just beat easily two nights before on their home court, and you have the All Star break coming up, and they just they took care of business immediately, which is. You know, sends them into the break with a, a little bit of a pad at the top of the Western Conference. Uh, and I think they're going to start becoming one of the biggest stories in the league now. I think it's they've been so good enough for long enough that uh, anybody wanted to ignore them and hope they would eventually be right about the Gobert trade is going to have to admit this is a really good team. So, Jim, we know that Towns and Edwards are going to play in the Ulster game on Sunday. Are Timberwolves involved in any of the other activities this weekend that you know of? Uh not that I know. No, it's just those two guys. Uh, okay. Everybody else is going to go on vacation. All right. Uh, go for men's basketball last night. They led by eight at halftime, as many as 10 in the second half, but they lose at second rank Purdue, 84-76. Your thoughts on last night's game? That was just going to be a tough one. Uh, Purdue playing at home. Purdue's playing really well right now. Zach Eadie's at his best. Um, they built a nice team. So, you know, there's really no shame in going going there and losing that game. They played really well in the first half to put a scare into them, had trouble sustaining against, again, a better team uh, playing at home. I, I think the games that really hurt are the two Iowa losses. They had a mediocre Iowa team at home. They didn't play well. And then they had at Iowa, and they build a 20-point lead and blow it. I think those are the two games that, that are going to bother them. They, they won't look back at the Purdue loss with a whole lot of regret. Well, and they played Rutgers on Sunday, and Rutgers looked like that was going to be an easier game, but Rutgers has gotten hot. They won, what, four in a row? Yep, and they uh, took care of Northwestern last night, played really well against a pretty good uh, Northwestern team. So, yeah, the Gophers aren't good enough to overlook anybody, and, and they need to win games exactly like this. And they need to, I mean, it's, suddenly this is a big game. They really need to win this game. Uh, Dawson Garcia did return and played pretty well, scored 24 points in the game last night. Uh, your thoughts on on Zach Eady and how they they attacked him? Uh, I mean, I think they had a pretty good game plan for him. Uh, I think they would have liked to have done a better job of getting him in big foul trouble, but it was it's hard because they don't have anybody who can really just you know go up against them straight away. They they scored on him a few times. I mean, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with the game plan. It's just they, you know, really the best game plan is to get him in foul trouble, and they weren't able to do that. Uh, and they played Jack Wilson against him. The, the brief amount of times that we've seen him this year, it seems like he goes out there and he commits fouls. He does some not real smart basketball things. Um, <laughs> it's just, it, I mean, it's just strange, right? I mean, he, he got caught for a hook and hold. He set an illegal pick in the last game. It's like, what is this guy doing? Yeah. Um, and that's the problem with somebody putting somebody on a basketball court who has kind of an enforcer mentality. This isn't hockey. 
Um, and he's made some play. He's made a few plays this season where you go, oh, there's some agility, there's some skill. But usually he does. He goes in there and he gets fouled. And I understand they wanted him. They wanted him to go in there. They wanted him to push Edie around a little bit. They wanted. They were probably hoping Edie would react in a way that would put Edie in some foul trouble. And Edie just kind of played basketball. And the, the better basketball player usually wins in that situation. Jim, Iowa's Caitlin Clark uh, continues to uh, set records, and now she's the all-time leading scorer in women's basketball history, and only 99 points away from Pete Maravich's record for the most in Division I men's college basketball. She scores 49 last night, including like a half-court shot. Uh, your thoughts on Caitlin Clark and what she's done? Just one of the best stories in the history of women's college basketball, one of the best stories in the history of all college basketball, one of the great players, one of the great scorers. She's also, she's, I think she's leading the country in assists, too. Uh, she's a ridiculous player, and I, I just love the story. She played high school basketball in Des Moines, Iowa. She goes to the local university, and she becomes maybe the greatest women's college basketball player of all time. Um, and she does it with flair, with uh, com- incredible competitiveness, with skill. Uh, and again, she's the all-time leading scorer, and she's, maybe the best passer in the country. She's phenomenal. Uh, so great story, great player, seems to be a great person too. Uh, and she's going to pass Pistol Pete, isn't she? I would think so, yeah. I mean, that could be three games. Uh, some other things going on. Uh, the Genesis Invitational. Uh, Tiger Woods is back playing. Tiger shot a plus one yesterday. Uh, Patrick Cantlay is the leader at seven under par. Any thoughts on that tournament that got underway yesterday? Um, it, to me, it's one of those tournaments when you're here in Minnesota dealing with winter. It's just a beautiful tournament to watch. Beautiful golf course. Uh, obviously, it's L.A., so the weather's almost always perfect. Uh, the players really like the course, so you get a good field. I, I just think it's a great it's a great tournament to watch. Cantley, you know, he's one of those many guys who, uh, when he's good, he's as good as anybody. And the question is, when he's good, will he break through and win a major? Well, winning this kind of a tournament you know, probably sets you up for a pretty good season. Uh, just a really talented guy, but it's a great, it's a great, uh, great field. And once again, Scotty Scheffler, you know, just hits the ball beautifully and doesn't really convert as much as he should. If he ever gets that putt, if he gets that putter going, I mean, he could just dominate the world of golf. But the putter is just holding back right now. So Tiger's got what some back issues that he was fighting through. Yeah, I don't think he's ever really going to be healthy, completely healthy again. Between the back, the knee, the torque he put him. I mean. You know, it's so funny when I see golf instructors saying, well, Tiger did it this way. Well, Tiger blew out his knee and blew out his back and, you know, did SEAL, Navy SEAL training. I mean, don't no average golfer should try to do anything Tiger did. He destroyed his body with that swing. Uh, you know, so it, it just feels like an exhibition when he's out there these days, which is fine. You know, he's an older golfer dealing with injuries and people like to watch him play. That's cool. But let's not really expect much at this point. So the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred, is going to retire as commissioner in 2029. But that's that's you know forecasting quite a ways out. I mean, very few people are announced their retirement five years ahead of time. Yeah, it might seem a little strange, but I think it's fine. I think I think he's saying, "Hey, I'm going to be 70. I will have done the job for a long time. Uh, you know, the game is in in pretty good shape in a lot of ways. Uh, in a lot of ways, and the game's better than it's ever been, or it's been for a long time at least." And so I, I don't see anything wrong with that. And it gives people, you know, very clear expectations of what's going to happen going forward. It gives top candidates an idea of, you know, to set themselves up. So I, I kind of like the fact that he's announced that. Jim, the uh, Twins have sprit, uh, pitchers and catchers. Pretty much everybody's there, or almost everybody's there at uh, camp in yeah. Fort Myers. 
Yeah, I, yeah, pretty much everybody's accounted for. Everybody's there. Um, you know, the whole idea of reporting day, basically you got to check in at the facility and say, hey, I'm in town and I didn't have any visa problems. I didn't have any health problems. I'm here. So it's it's kind of a non-news news day. Um, but modern baseball players, with incredibly rare exception, get there early and really enjoy being there. And uh, and there are no you know, holdouts, no problems in that regard. That's one of the good things that's happened in most of modern sports, especially baseball, there are really no holdouts anymore. I mean, everybody just everybody understands how the financial system works and that you're better off showing up and performing, and we don't have those silly stories anymore. Uh, Jim, uh, do you have the assignment of going to spring training this year? I don't. It's, we, I've only missed one since 93. I won't be going again this year. I will be going to the Masters. It was kind of an either-or and we have a lot of people who can cover spring training. I, I'm the only person who gets to go to the Masters and get credentials, so we're going to do that. Um, I I love spring training, you know, for personal reasons. Being around the game, obviously the weather's nice. I get to hang out with uh, with my colleagues. Um, you know, in terms of stories, sometimes they're you know, unfortunately the the most impactful stories in spring training are negatives because everybody's just getting their work in and there aren't many negatives. So if there's an injury, that's, that becomes the big news of the day down there. But yeah, I would, I would rather be there than not be there. Uh, Jim, some names that are still out there as free agents. I just wanted to bring them up to you and see if that you would think that there'd be any possibility that uh, the twins would be interested. Um, Hinjin Ryu, Mike Clevenger, Michael Lorenzen. Um, I think any of them, for the right price would make some sense. I've also, we did a chin music with the baseball show with Lavelle. He said that he also heard rumors that they might bring back Jake Odorizzi some uh, starting pitching depth. Uh, so I don't, I don't think they're going to spend a lot of money at this point, uh, in part because of budget in part, because they want to keep, uh, you know, whatever their virtual payroll cap is available to them in case they want to make mid-season moves. Uh, if somebody became really affordable, uh, then they take a look. But I don't think they're going to outbid anybody at this point. Did they feel pretty good about their backup center field spot? Uh, that is one of the few areas of intrigue on the position playing roster. And they seem to think that, that Austin Martin is ready to play that role. Now, now, this also means that they are planning on Byron Buxton playing a significant number of games in center field. Otherwise, they would have signed you know, an alternate center fielder. So I think right now they're looking at it. They want Buxton to be the center fielder. They think Austin Martin might be ready to be his, his backup at center field. Um, and then I think there's also the possibility that, you know, maybe maybe Brooks Lee gets a little work out there. I mean, they're, they're you know... So they don't have a comfortable Michael Taylor automatic plug-in at center field or backup center field. They could still go get one. I mean, let's, let's not forget that Falvey makes moves every February. Sometimes he makes them in March. So we could still see some roster developments here. Adam Duvall, Cody Bellinger, any interest in those guys? I mean, I guess they could play center field, right? Yeah, I, I don't see it. I, I you know, and listen, I, I, when I say no, I'm not saying they're bad players. They weren't worth a chance. It's, this this roster is really pretty close to being set. Uh, backup center field and uh, starting pitching depth are really the only two areas of concern. And they're not going to spend a lot of money on somebody who might be their sixth starter. They're not going to spend a lot of money on somebody who might not play much if Buxton's able to play a lot of center field. So, you know, it's kind of... 
gauging needs at this point. But hey, Buxton hurts his knee uh, in the next month. They might go out and get somebody like who knows. You know, maybe then they would get Bellinger. Say, hey, go play center field and hit some home runs for us. All right, aren't you? Uh, what do you got in your podcast, Jim? Uh, we do have chin music up with Lavelle talking about spring training, Twins expectations. We have preps today with John Millay up. We have a good Jeff Diamond show on the Vikings moves in the offseason. Everything's at TalkNorth.com or on your favorite podcast app. All right, Jim. Thanks. Have a good weekend. We'll talk to you again on Monday. Great. Thanks, Jim. It's Jim Suhan, Star Tribune Sports Columnist, joining us every weekday morning at this time. Follow him on Twitter at Suhan Strib. Check out his latest column in the Star Tribune's podcast at TalkNorth.com. Jim, once again, brought to you by the Green Mill in downtown St. Cloud. News 